Welcome to Stance for Health podcast with Dr. Rod and Karen Wirth, where becoming healthy is not complicated. Control your health by focusing on six areas of life that we teach you so you finally have the energy you want, have to do what you want instead of being a victim of your age. I have over 20 years experience working as a chiropractor and Karen is a author, speaker, and longevity coach. We've seen how a tiny change in your habits today can open up your life to a powerful future. Start today and take your stance for health. Hello and welcome to Stance for Health podcast. I'm Dr. Rodney, seated next to my wife, Karen, Hope Lady, longevity coach. And that is the topic today, as it turns out, longevity. Surprise, surprise. We have some interesting research that goes counter what we have thought for years and maybe will help you to feel better about how you're living your life as far as getting ready to live like they do in the blue zones where you live to over 100 without disability. So tell us more, Dr. Worth. What are we talking about? As a backdrop to all this, you know how we can explore the extremes of any topic, right? And in this particular case, uh, when we're talking about exercise, you immediately think of the two extremes as either the couch potato or the marathon runner. Yes. Right? So what this study suggests is, and we'll give examples of this, is moderate exercise versus vigorous. Now, moderate is actually classified as you know something that you can do for up to 850 minutes a week, whereas they're talking about the, the benefit factor. You can still benefit at up to, it's still showing benefits up, uh, at up to 850. Now, the, uh, the opposite is vigorous. That's the extreme. And, and you I'll give examples of the first one I mentioned, and that doesn't sound extreme at all. And you'll be like, I think I can do that. It's the difference between vigorous and moderate, and that's where the couple of different studies lie. And so I, just to give you hope in advance, we're not going to say this is how difficult this is to attain. Exactly, because we hold in high esteem and high regard, particularly for their discipline, the people like Dr. Rodney, who four years or four times was participated in an intense and grueling cycling event in Wichita Falls at 100 degrees temperature. <laughs> I did everything wrong, according to this research. Exactly. And so I have given up on ever being that and thought, ah, oh, you know, I'll never do that. The only thing I've done is win an award for my age group for a 5K and all I did was walk. So that's the advantage of in advanced years, you can join a lot of these competitions and just crossing the finish line, you're doing well. But tell us more about this study. It sounds fascinating. Well, the study is is really pretty interesting. There's actually a couple studies within the article. And the, the first one is of 116,000 people, Harvard, right? School of Medicine, public, actually public health. They looked at these people, the same 116,000 people over a period of 30 years. Okay. Yeah. That is robust, both the yeah. length of time and the number of people. Their goal was optimizing uh, a reduction in cardiovascular related death. 
overall, the thought was, okay, well, if exercising is good for you, then more must be better. And this study shows something a little bit different than you might expect. Obviously, I gave it away. The punchline is when you consider extremes, you consider marathon runners. Exactly. Or triathlons. Yeah. Triathletes. Yeah. The yeah. Ironman, the yeah. penultimate. Yeah. And it turns out that's a very small percentage of people that can actually get to that pinnacle anyway. And especially in that group of people, how many of them live to be a hundred plus? None that I know of. It's so funny. We asked that very same question in a seminar once. How many of you right now know of a marathoner that either won gold medals or has won championships that is still alive, that is did it when when you were growing up? And he, he basically he said punchline is says they're all dead. Right. The study shows is that once you get over a vigorous activity, vigorous exercise for more than 150 minutes, it may actually damage your heart and mitochondria. Your personal story is that you did hours and hours, especially right now, as it started to heat up on Memorial Day, you would be gone for hours. You would do the limit of what you should do in just one day because you were planning to go the 100 miles in 100 degree weather. What's your story on that, Dr. Rodney? I can't say that, that I know for sure that it damaged my heart. Thank you, Lord. I can't say that it did. I don't know that it didn't, but I can tell you about the different symptoms that I started to experience after years of doing that. And along the way, let's just say that in a single ride that I would exceed the 150 minutes, that was not good. I would have headaches and I basically I was dehydrated every, almost every single ride. I would reach a point of mild dehydration, if not moderate dehydration. Headache is a manifestation of dehydration. Not only that, but that's part of when you lose more than 1% of, you're never supposed to lose more than 1% of your body weight on a ride, on any single ride, which makes the, the Triple H in Wichita Falls that I was training for uh, kind of a multiple whammy because yeah. not only are you training for it, but then you do it. Even training for it, I'd have little miniature Triple H's. That's what the you do. Weekends before, yeah, I'd be riding for hours and trying to trying to hit three quarters of the of the ride. And that's something that I've heard you refer to a lot. You were redlining. Redlining means you know doing this vigorous activity for hours on end. We do vigorous now, but we're not as vigorous. In fact, Karen has been the wise one. She's been doing it for years and now. I always felt like I was the lazy one. <laughs> Accomplished in every other area, but in this area I was like, "Eh, you know, I don't need to prove anything." Do we want to give some examples of what moderate versus vigorous look like? For myself, for years, what I did is I walked every day, but I would do it like at 6 a.m., one to two miles, and I wasn't really doing high-intensity interval training with that. I do know that I've reached my young age that I am now without any aches and pains. And what happened to you was, was it oh, your hip? Uh, actually, it was my left knee first, followed by my left hip, 
and wow. both my right knee and right hip. And occasionally if I do too much vigorous exercise, then that's when my right hip tells me you've you've gone too far. And as it turns out, those two joints, the knees and the hips are the, are, guess what? That's where cycling's involved, right? Exactly. And you know, you think, well, cycling, isn't that the thing that everybody does when they can't do running anymore? (laughs) Well, well, we're talking the level that, that you ride and it's been so fun as you've backed off in, in recent years, but you'll still go out and I'll say, hey, you better be careful with some young girl, you're young, but someone younger, younger. than you yeah. decides to try to pass this old man or whatever they're <laughs> thinking. You're like, I'm not going to let that happen. So, you know, it's it's just so interesting to me because what we're talking about is what my dad's had the proverb that's been quoted by so many. My dad, Bill Pritchett, lived to 102 and he said, if you can't see two extremes from where you're running no. at one of them or riding in or this riding. Case, right? And so I think that what we're talking about today, and we're going to talk about this more in the next podcast about what you should be doing is to avoid those all or nothing mental patterns that you've got to just push harder, 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 and it's going to have the greatest benefit. Do you think this has anything to do with uh, competing with yourself? I know you mentioned earlier, you know, seeing some young buck, you know, uh, out on the, <laughs> is it is it me competing with them or is it me competing with myself? Yes. Yes. Inside of you, there's an addictive nature to these kind of competitions. Yes. And we've had health partners that doc could see the the harm that they were doing to themselves. And yet, even with robust research like this, they're like, nah, I can't believe that because it's the way we think as a culture. If going the distance is the goal, in other words, longevity, enduring life, having an early death. For us, and I think I think the standard is anything under 120. That might sound like extreme to some of you. Making it at least to 100. At least to 100. Let's do that. Doing that, I think in, in, uh, of one guy in particular that was a triathlete that was coming to the office. I handed him an article very similar to this. And, and basically, he didn't say anything. Because he came to me for a hip issue, I could see the writing on the wall for him. And if going the distance is the case, you train easily more than 150 minutes a week being a triathlete in one event. And so I'm thinking, how do people even find the time to train that much? One of the styles of exercise that's actually mentioned in here, benefit continues after 14 hours. And I'll let you guess which which one that is because it's not vigorous. (laughs) I was thinking of him and I thought, can he go the distance? And is, if his goal is to drink as much beer as he wants and still not gain weight, maybe you still get the tummy, but not as much, but you're at a you know, small percentage of people that will actually benefit going the distance. I think that's the point is if you're listening to this today and you're one of those people that thinks you have to be extreme to get the benefit. In fact, both the studies that are listed here are showing the contrary. And if you are like me, 
and you felt less than because you've never been an extreme athlete, that is great news. The thing is, though, you don't want to go to the other extreme and do nothing because that's also part. Can't see two extremes from where you are. You're at one of them. So I want to give you, speaking of an extreme, I want to give you an example of vigorous exercise not necessarily the way you would think. I don't want to say vigorous exercise and you think immediately of long distance running. It's vigorous, strenuous to the point where you're heart pounding, breathless, and sweating profusely. (laughs) And a lot of people consider that they haven't had a workout unless that happens. Isn't that funny? It's because we've been brainwashed that that is what it takes. And yet we can do our part. Having Yes, we can do our part. And doing our part sounds more like community. You can actually fulfill community with some of these uh, moderate activities that are listed. And you can probably guess what some of them are. Well, I know that Let's just give a couple and then we'll let we'll go into greater depth in the next podcast. That sounds good. So I okay. know I know what I did was walking. This is getting out in the green space, getting out in nature, going going out and doing things. What do people in the blue zones do? Exactly stuff like that. They do gardening, they walk together. In Greece, they chase their goat so they can milk it and make the cheese. <laughs> not, <laughs> the, not the movie Greece, but actually the country Greece. Where there's a blue zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I, I, we can list the, the examples here just the, for the sake of this podcast, just so you can st- or continue to do the things that you've already been doing uh, hiking, gardening, housework, dancing, shopping. Golf. Yay, golf for all you golfers out there. And then pickleball is getting really something that people like to do. And doubles tennis, not singles tennis, because you're working double hard. Running all over the court. I love it. This is wonderful. So for all of you non-extremers, I want to congratulate you, but also encourage you to not be a couch potato either, because that's at the other extreme. So you can do the bottom line on this for for everything that we're saying is the magnitude of mortality for cardiovascular disease risk uh, reductions don't appear to be substantial for high dose of vigorous. In other words, exactly what Karen just said, you can continue to benefit from moderate exercise as opposed to vigorous. As long as it is consistent. That's right. See, that's what we talk about in Stands for Health, where small changes can have a strong impact on your health. Start today. Well, we thank you so much. Sounds like a great place to stop. I've really enjoyed just talking with you about this today. Me too. I feel better about myself. Yeah. I don't know about you. I'm sorry you, you overdid it. I know, I know. <laughs> Living and learning, you know, a lesson lived is a lesson learned. And I, I survived to tell about it. Yes. And you so, are recuperating and doing well. Yeah. So for those of you out there, we want this to give you hope so that you can take your stance for health. I'm Dr. Rodney. And I'm Karen. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us at Stands for Health podcast, where getting healthy and staying that way are not as complicated as you might think. Subscribe now and discover steps and small changes that can increase your energy, 
and open the door to vibrant health and longevity. If this podcast has been helpful, please write a review. We'll see you next time.